Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC is back on pay-per-view for the first time of the year. UFC 270 is upon us. We got two awesome title fights coming at you. Francis Ngannou versus Surreal Gain and Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueredo. We will, of course, be breaking down those title fights as well as one other fight on the main card and giving you an underdog and parlay to play as part of our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. In addition to that, I'll also be bringing you guys the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is tough winner Brian Battle talking about his upcoming bout with Sean Gore. And a little bit later on in the show, I'll have for you my interview with Matt Frivola, who fights at UFC 270 against Gennaro Valdez. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights analysis and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there, Right now, you can check out all of my bonus picks. That's right. I'm giving you picks that you can only see. But you got to go to the Top Turtle MMA page on betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me now is Brian Battle, who fights Trey Sean Gore at UFC Vegas 47. That fight is on February 5th. So, Brian, I, I want to get right into talking about that fight because obviously you win the Ultimate Fighter, and immediately, right after, you're given the guy who you were supposed to have fought in the finale. I, I'm curious on your feelings about this because obviously you come out the Ultimate Fighter champion, but you're back to fighting somebody in the house. What's that feel like for you? Yeah. Um,. It's one of those things where, you know, the person that I get offered is out of my control. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many things I have to worry about as a fighter. You know, uh, something like who I get matched up, uh, who I get matched up with is something, you know, I'm I'm not going to waste a ton of energy being stressed out on. Ideally, would I have liked to fight somebody who, you know, was already established in the UFC? Um, that would have been cool. But, you know, me and Trey, we've had a... a this has been a grudge match in the making for a long time, long before we were on the TV show. You know what I'm saying? So um, this was this is going to be a fun fight. The fans are excited about it. I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good time. For sure, for sure. And now I'm curious too. Obviously, the the fight was quite a while ago that you won over Gilbert Urbina, winning the Ultimate Fighter. How, how soon afterwards did you know that this is kind of what the UFC planned? Did they let you know that right away, or or did this kind of develop over time? Um, you know, uh. In all honesty, I, I wanted to fight in December. Uh, you know, I wanted a little bit of extra Christmas money. You know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, I was like, I knew before it was officially announced. Um, uh, and so, but it wasn't really. I mean, it was same ballpark. Uh, I forget when it was officially announced, but I knew a couple weeks beforehand. It wasn't something where you know it was hinted at and. Uh, you know, I was figuring that's what the next fight was going to be. It was just one day my manager contacted me. and was like, hey, 
Treshawn Gore, February 5th. You want it? And it's like, yeah, yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? So that's really more of what the process was like uh, than like kind of some kind of like, you know, weird, you know, he said, she said kind of deal. And, and you mentioned before that he had kind of been a person who had been on your radar. You were supposed to fight kind of on the regional scene. This is something that you've known might happen down the road. Then obviously the whole time in the ultimate fighter house that you got to spend with him. What's it like now finally actually preparing for him? I mean, I guess for a second time. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it's almost, um, like it, it's going to be almost surreal actually fighting Trey, uh, just because, you know, there's been several times, you know, he's been on my radar for a long time. You know, it's like, uh, um, you know, like you said, I, I went through a full fight camp specifically for him, you know, uh, back in August for the finale. So, um, you know, fingers crossed, you know, both of us, you know, no one catches anything. We both get to the, the octagon healthy and, um, uh, you know, we can really settle this, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I am ready to just like, not, you know, train for something else, you know what I'm saying? But I don't train necessarily, you know, we, we try to, you know, capitalize on tendencies and stuff like that, but I'm also prepared that if Trey, uh, is unable to fight again that, you know, I'll be ready to fight on February 5th regardless. You know what I'm saying? No matter who they throw in there, whether it's like a D1 wrestler or, you know, a K1 kickboxer, you know, I, uh, you know, I train for my guy, I train for tendencies, but I also train just to be able to beat everybody up. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Long answer to a short question. <laughs> well, those are the kinds of answers I like. So, you know, you, <laughs> you mentioned in their training a couple of times, and I actually did want to ask you about your training situation because, you know, these days you're seeing tons of guys who, who came up through smaller gyms and smaller areas of the country move to the big gyms, move to the Sanford MMAs and the American Top Teams and the Jackson Winklejohns, and you are a guy who stayed loyal to to your hometown gym, to, to Hyatt's on Charlotte. Is there something particular that you love about that training situation, either from their coaches or from the smaller environment that, that makes you, you know, stick to that training situation? Um, well, you know, I, generally a lot of guys, you know, even when they're on the smaller shows, you know, a lot of guys bounce around between gyms before they get comfortable at one gym and, you know, they learn things from a lot of different places. So, yeah, like you said, you know, even though they might have loyalty to a certain place, you know, they don't have, you know, the kind of, you know, loyalty and relationship that I have with my coaches. Cause I literally walked into my gym at 21 with zero experience in any kind of combat sport. You know what I'm saying? Besides stuff I watched on YouTube and played in the UFC video games, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? So like they literally, uh, you know, built me from the ground up and, um, you know, it's one of those really cool dynamics where, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the athlete needs the coach and the coach needs the athlete. You know what I'm saying? We have a very special relationship, uh, uh, me and my coaches. And until, uh, you know, right now, you know, my coaches aren't settling for anything. We're not getting complacent. You know, um, we're trying to capitalize on this opportunity. We're all growing. We're all getting better. Um uh, so, you know, there's really no reason if, if things were complacent and stagnant and I felt like I wasn't growing, then yeah, I would probably look to go elsewhere, especially after the connections I made, uh, at, at the, the tough house, uh, fighting in the UFC. But, um, right now I feel, I mean, as you say, I was able to go on the show where 
the guys on the show are training at all these big gyms, Jackson Winklejohn, Sanford, you know, ex- Extreme Couture, uh, you know, Enzo Gracie's and Philly, you know, guys are training at all these places with all these big name guys. Um, and, you know, I went on there and I beat all of them, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, we got something special going on over here, you know, whether it's just a matter of time before the world figures it out, you know? Well, I love that. And I love hearing about a good coach and fighter connection. Now, I'm curious, too, you you mentioned some of the connections you had made on the show. Obviously, you know, great training partners from the show, but also obviously great coaches between Volkanovski and, you know, working with Craig Jones and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you have you reached out and done any cross training over this period of time? Or is that something that's just like completely off of your radar right now? Well, um, that that is. It's not something that's off of my radar right now. It's, it's this whole past year really um, has just been crazy. I mean, my uh, December 2020 to December 2021, I got married. Uh, I had a fight outside the the UFC. Uh, when I got back from that fight, I figured out my wife was pregnant, and then I went on the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, you know, won the Ultimate Fighter. My wife had our baby. You know. Um, it, it, it was just like a crazy, crazy year. So much was happening. And so um, once I get into a place where, you know, my baby and my wife are like settled and I'm not in a fight camp, I would love to, I'd love to go train with Craig Jones. You know, the, the invitation is open whenever I can make it out there. You know, Craig is really cool. Uh, you know, the, the, the lockdown situation would make it harder to go train with Volk and them, but that's something that would be because Volk's situation is all very similar to mine. That's why I gelled so well with uh, him and Uncle Joe is that, you know, the, that's Volk's original coach too. You know, he's not at a big, big-time team, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so I, I'd love to go over there, you know, once the whole lockdown situation is a little bit uh, less strenuous, you know what I mean? Um, so it, I haven't been able to – unfortunately, I haven't been able to take advantage of too many cross-training opportunities, but it's something I absolutely plan on taking advantage of in the future. Well, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Now, I, I got to ask you, too, because you brought up, you know, your your son, your son Miles, being born in this mm-hmm. most recent year. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Thank and, you. And, of course, you know, we hear from fighters all the time when, when the, their kid is born and they've got fights coming up. It's a different world, right? Your training camp feels different. Your Your fight might even feel different. What's it been like? Have have you felt the big difference with with him around? Um, it's, man, it's it's weird. I'm turning into my dad. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, if I camp or not, like just, um, like I I just I I look grumpy now. I'm just a meaner person, <laughs> just overall. You know what I'm saying? Because like I like that that protector's like been awakened. You know what I'm saying? Like um, and you know. Miles being born, it's just another thing, you know what I'm saying? It's just a, another reason to, you know, uh, to keep you going when you're tired, you know what I'm saying? Another reason to get out of bed when you're feeling sore, you know what I mean? Um, there's, like, this little, like, uh, child, you know, he doesn't have any bad intentions, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't think any negative thoughts about people. He just, like, you know, wants to be held and fed milk and change, his, have his diaper changed. You know what I'm saying? It's just, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's weird, like fighting or not, like having a kid just kind of puts everything into perspective. And, um, I, I think, you know, 
having life put into perspective does make you a better fighter depending on where you are at in life. Um, and so once again, long answer to a short question. Yeah. Having miles has definitely made me a better fighter just cause you know, my outlook on things has changed a little bit. For sure. And that, I, I love the long answers. Never have to apologize for those. So, uh, I am, I do have one final question though. I want to bring it all back to Trayshawn Gore since that's where we started. That's what people are the most interested in right now. Yeah. You're, you're fighting Trayshawn Gore, UFC Vegas 47. I usually like to ask for a prediction whether fighters will give them to me or not. How do you see this one ending? Um, it, you know, it, it's a, it's a very, very interesting fight. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, it, the same thing I tell to everybody when they ask me about this fight, you know, um, you know, you have to acknowledge all the things that Trey is really, really good at. You know what I'm saying? The things that got him to the show, you know what I'm saying? Um, he's incredibly fast in the middleweight division, you know what I'm saying? He's explosive, you know what I'm saying? He has got power. Um, his, uh, his timing is really good, you know what I'm saying? Uh, there's a lot of things that Trey does very, very well, and um, – uh, if I was the kind of fighter that was uh, intimidated by those kind of things, then it would be uh, a little bit more interesting of a fight. I think um, my versatility, uh, you know, uh, my ability to 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 defend the things that he's going to be able to do is really going to put a lot of pressure on him. It's going to make him really uncomfortable. Um, I think the fight's going to be really competitive uh, at the beginning. Uh, as the first round goes on, I'll begin to take over the fight. And, um, you know, if I don't get something done in the first round, I, I, you know, just saying what normally happens to people, you know, by the second round, uh, that's usually when they, when they break, you know what I'm saying? And, um, that's what I'm aiming for this fight. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I hope Trayshawn's in the best shape of his life. I hope he's ready to, to go to war, but my goal is, is to have him ready to go in the second round. You know what I mean? By the second round at the latest. So that's, that's kind of my prediction for the fight. Cause that's what I'm aiming for. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This was once again, Brian Pooh Bear Battle, who fights Trayshawn Gore at UFC Vegas 47 on February 5th. Brian, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me. You have a good one. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Ultimate Fighter winner Brian Battle. I once again am Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, before we begin talking about UFC 270, we got to get some stuff off of our chest from this past weekend's events. How impressed were you in the turnaround of Calvin Cater from last fight to this one? <laughs> What a difference a year makes. Um, I I just could not be more impressed. I mean, you know, he reminded me of Colby Covington just in terms of the output, his wrestling background. I know Colby was a more accomplished wrestler, but um, I just couldn't be more impressed. I also really liked that he would add in an elbow at the end of his combos. You know, at the end of the day, Giga still the better striker, but we now have the blueprint on how to beat Giga Chikadze, it's pressure, it's pushing him back, and it's, you know, scaring him into mixing in some takedowns. I love the way that Cater jumped on that takedown. It was really off a slip, and Giga kind of turned his back to him for a second, and you just saw Calvin Cater fly from across the octagon because he knew that was his opportunity, and that's how he won round one and really set the tone for the rest of the fight. So to answer your question, massively impressed and i'd even like to see him rematch max holloway at this point as the new calvin cater 
How about you? Yeah, I, th- I think we're a little bit away from like him getting that rematch, but I'd love to see him with guys like Yair Rodriguez or Brian Ortega. And I actually, you know, I'd like to take it back to what you said, comparing him a little bit to Colby Covington. And I know some people are going to scoff at that comparison because you're right. He's not as accomplished of a wrestler. But it's that fear of wrestling that he put in Giga while also turning up that pressure to, to 20, man. He didn't turn it up to 12. He turned it up to 20. And it was so impressive the way that he pressured him and essentially took away, you know, 50% or more of Giga's game is that kick. So th- to have him lose all of that kicking power and the, the varied kicks that he uses... Man, it was just an ultimate performance, great game planning, but also like for him to go in there not scared of a striker after being beat by a striker who's very similar in Max Holloway, very impressive. So, you know, good on him, excited to see him once again, and uh, maybe we won't have to wait a year to see him again. Yeah, and I got to say, it's always exciting when you see these evolutions in a fighter's career, and I feel like he just made a level jump. And it's just, I'm going to be very interested to see if this is the new Calvin Cater, do we look back at that Max Holloway loss? Does he reel off, you know, three, four wins in a row? And we say that was the turning point in his career. And do we get some sort of like crazy late, not late, because he's not like so old, but I was going to say like a, almost like a Michael Bisping-esque, you know, run to the title here on the back half of his UFC career. Um, I don't know. It's just very exciting to me. But I'll tell you what else is exciting. And that's, Fights, dogs, and parlays. We're back. Second week in a row, we have some UFC fights to break down. It's our favorite segment on the show. So, Gumby, let's get to fights, dogs, and parlays, but hold the phone. Does anyone sponsor this edition of fights, dogs, and parlays? Absolutely. Fights, dogs, and parlays is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. You can check out Nichols over on Instagram at 55DoubleNickels55. My guy is sending you his five picks from the world of sports each and every morning from NBA, NHL, MLB, and, of course, MMA. And of course, I'm not lying when I'm saying he's hitting almost five every single day. And if not, he's hitting four out of five. Unlike all these other guys who are trying to get you to follow their picks, he's giving you far more than that. Nichols hits you with tips and insights that consistently put him at the front of the game. And you can get in on it for as low as 10 bucks a day. That's right, 10 bucks a day. And even lower than that, four bucks a day if you want to go a little bit longer. There's no reason not to give him a try. Plus, if you mention our podcast, when you sign up, he'll hit you with a 10% discount. Don't delay. That's at 55DoubleNickels55 on Instagram, DoubleNickels Sports Betting. Well, we spoke about what the Max Holloway loss might have done for Calvin Cater's game, and I am so happy to start at this massive heavyweight fight between a champion in Francis Naganu and an interim champion in Zero Gone and you know, that's maybe the less said the better on why there's an interim champion when, you know, Francis Ngannou went nowhere, won his title back in March. So, you know, defending it within 11 months, but whatever, let's not get into that. Let's get into the excitingness of this matchup. And I bring up Calvin Cater again and the loss to Max Holloway because when Francis Ngannou faced Stipe Miocic back in January of 2018, the first time he vied for the UFC heavyweight title, He got outclassed, outworked, lost by decision, five rounds, and then came back and had another brutal loss to Derek Lewis. Very weird fight. That one was only three rounds, decision loss. But something clearly changed in his game. He really started focusing on wrestling more. Maybe, you know, that the killer instinct that we all knew he had kicked in more and he was never going to leave anything for granted. The point being, after those back-to-back losses, 
it's almost like Naganu 2.0 emerged, and we saw him reel off five wins in a row, all via KO or TKO, culminating in a rematch with Stipe Miocic last March, where he won the heavyweight title. One of the scarier heavyweights we've ever seen just with that one-punch knockout power. Cyril Gain, equally as impressive in a lot of ways, 10-0 as an MMA fighter, debuted in the UFC at 3-0. So the majority of his fights have come in the UFC over the last two years. Is coming off a TKO win over Derek Lewis. Much That's a, a very impressive thing. Many a prospect have gone in against Derek Lewis and had their hopes and dreams shut down. He was able to TKO Derek Lewis. Never lost in his MMA career. Never lost in the UFC. Certainly the more technical striker of the two. And why he is probably favored at minus 150. Naganu, the champion, the dominant champion of plus 130. Who you got? I'm going with Francis Ngannou. I really can't believe he's an underdog in this fight because, you know, the the, the path to victory for both of them is obvious, right? You, you like Surreal Gain the longer this fight goes. He's probably the more technical striker. Um, he has the ability to wear people out, turn up the volume late. That's what he did against Derek Lewis. He also has the ability to just pick you apart for five rounds, as we saw him do. Um, was it Yair Rosenstrike I'm thinking of? Regardless, he went five rounds before and, and can just kind of pick you apart and make sure he wins that fight. He has that ability. Whereas Francis's, you know, clear path to victory here is landing that big knockout blow. And he can do so early in the fight. Can he do so late in the fight? I'm not sure anymore, right? Like, we, we thought for a while that he definitely couldn't, like when we saw him against Steven Miocic the first time. But he does seem to be evolved. He does seem to be completely different. So... The reason why I'm going with Francis and I pick him here in this fight is that we've seen large technical gains in Francis Ngannou's game. We know that he has leg kicks now, which we saw him use against Stipe. We saw him stuff a Stipe Miocic takedown and then transition to Stipe's back. This is not the same Francis Ngannou who was tired against Stipe all that time ago. So I love his technical gains here. And I'm just going to say this. I don't know that Surreal Gain can stand 25 minutes with Francis and not eat one of those punches. I just don't know that it can happen. I don't know that he can't get stunned. And I think if that's my thought process, I don't think Surreal's going to get him out of there. So I got to go with the dog money here in Francis Ngannou. So I feel exactly the same way as you do. I look at this as close to a pick'em fight. I, you know, I probably say Cyril Gane has a bit better a chance of winning because, like you mentioned, the longer the fight goes, I think it favors him. He is the more technical striker. Also throw in the fact that he debuted in the UFC with the heel hook finish. I haven't really seen the grappling chop since, but that does say to me that if there was some sort of wacky heavyweight, both guys tired, it hits the ground, you know, late in the fourth or the fifth round, that maybe he could pull off some sort of submission. I find he has more ways to beat Naganu in my mind, whereas Naganu is just going to land an uppercut and send him straight to the underworld. So, again, I think the matchup kind of favors him, but by what? You know, like he's got a 55% chance of winning, and Naganu has a 45% chance of winning. I'm taking those odds and the underdog odds on Naganu all day and the chance that he will knock him out. But, you know, I can't discount the fact that Gain is probably the better classic striker is going to mix in his kicks and his combos better than Naganu. I know that's something Naganu is working on, but I just don't see him that way yet. And I'm not as impressed of, as him pulling that off on Stipe. I'll be more impressed, I should say, if he's able to pull that off against such a, you know, well-rounded striker in Cyril Gan. Also has to be mentioned, 
there's a little bit of a foot out the door scenario with Naganu. He's in what seems to be a pretty bitter contract negotiation with the UFC. His management CAA is longstanding Hollywood rival to Endeavor, who is the parent company of UFC. Uh, and that's never good to me. You know, that says to me, and Naganu's talking about boxing now, and he's got his eyes on other things. That also worries me a little bit. But again, I'm getting the dog money. So I'm taking Naganu, right? Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense to me. And also I would say, it's not like one of those foot out the door situations where they might retire. It's like one of the ones where he's out to prove himself here too. So while, while I agree with you, those situations are never good. This one's like a slightly better version of it. Well, it's funny that we're going to go from the heaviest weight class in the men's uh, UFC to the lightest division. And it's uh, the UFC flyweight title fight. It's Brandon Moreno and Devison Figueredo. This is a rematch. Uh, Moreno, the current champion, the Lego master he is, is coming off a win over uh, uh, Devison Figueredo. And before that, he had a majority draw with Devison Figueredo. So this is the third time they're fighting and uh, Moreno is the clear favorite at minus 180. You could get the former champ Figueredo at plus 150. Who you taking? I'm going to take Brandon Moreno here. Even, even though the odds seem pretty steep in his favor, I, I still really favor him because like, if you look back at that draw where it looked like Figueredo was running away with the fight, and, and actually I took Figueredo in the second fight because he looked like he was running away with the first fight, with the exception of the foul, I really thought that that was, you know, like in retrospect, not a good representation of what either of those fighters are. They were fighting on like 25 days notice or something like that after having just both fought on a card like three weeks prior. So, you know, it's a weird first fight, but I think that second fight is a little bit more where they're at in their careers right now. Figueredo is a guy who's dangerous early on, but does tend to fade because he is so big and strong for that flyweight division. And I just think Moreno has kind of surpassed him. He's he's made those huge gains in his game. We've got a guy who's probably got a little bit better grappling. He's probably got a little bit cleaner striking. He may not have the big punching power, but I think ultimately he probably wears out Figueredo here. I'm going to say this. I'll throw in a little extra prop here. I think I like Moreno in this fight by decision because I think he's just going to maybe be a little bit safer. Or Figueredo's going to know what's coming. And I think we'll probably see just a little bit more of the um, making sure he's winning rounds and probably running away with it late as Figueredo tires. I agree with you again. I really like him by decision. Not going to go much more into it. Let's move then to Michael Peria, the very odd and funny fighter, a minus 280 favorite to a fighter making his UFC debut. And Andre Fialio, uh, plus 225, is the dog. Uh, any reason, I, I know you're always up on your prospects, where Andre Fialio, and you could correct me on the pronunciation there, has a chance to win here in his debut, or is this Michael Pereira's Michael Pereira all day. also want to mention that Pereira is on a three-fight win streak, so will he make it four? Yeah, so I'm going to go with Pereira. I will say if you're looking for a path for Fialho, I, I believe is how you say it, so I'm, I'm not even going to correct you because I'm not positive. He does have, like, really good power punching, and I'll say this. If Pereira goes in there and is the type of guy who's going to do three backflips in a row, he might just need a big power punch. But that being said, I actually have been really impressed with how Pereira has toned back his craziness as of late. 
Um, much to the chagrin of like fans who want to see him do those three backflips in a row and then try a scissor kick. Um, he's not doing that as much anymore. We saw him against chaos Williams kind of tone it back and use his wrestling, which is by the way, also very good. So not bad. Yeah. yeah it's, agreed. It, it's incredible. So he, he's this kind of fighter that I, I think we probably like, he, he's probably starting to be fun and good in a way that a newcomer is not just going to beat. Now, again, this is a late replacement. He was supposed to fight Muslim Salikov. That would have been a much more exciting fight. But you know what? I think I was even taking Pereira in that, so there's no reason not to take him here against Fielho. All right. Uh, let's get to our underdog of the week. <laughs> and it's Cody Stamen, who's uh, plus 170, and he's fighting Saeed Nurmagomedov. Let's hear it. So Saeed Nurmagomedov, despite his name, is not particularly much of a wrestler. He's actually a lot more into kickboxing. He's also not blood-related to Habib, so get that out of your head already, too. Um, but... Uh, Cody Stamen is an excellent wrestler, and we've seen Saeed Nurmagomedov have a little trouble with the wrestling. Rayoni Barcelos, who's also on this card, took him down a couple of times and won a decision. We also saw him struggle a little bit previously in fights that kind of wind up that way. So I think Cody Stamen has got the right style to bring it to him. Plus 170 is a kind of a steep number for a dude who hasn't really fought anybody except for Rayoni Barcelos. And Barcelos beat him. So, yeah, I like Cody Stamen in this fight. I think he grinds him out and wins a decision. Our parlay to play is Michael Morales, a minus 140, and Adolfo Vieira, a minus 275. So, very strong favorite in Adolfo, the jiu-jitsu ace, and then pair him together with Michael Morales, a minus 140. It does get you plus 135 odds. Break it down. So if you didn't see Michael Morales on the Contender Series, you need to go back and watch. This dude is 22 years old in a physical specimen. He's long. He's got two black belt judo parents, and then he transitioned into wrestling. And all of that being said, I think I'm most impressed with his striking. So uh, there's so much to say good about this kid. But the biggest one is that he's powerful. In that Contender Series fight, he took down the Russian uh, Nikolai Veritanikov a bunch of times, seemingly at will. I think here he's fighting Trevin Giles, who's forcing himself to go down to welterweight, I think, to try to, you know, give a boost to his career. But I just don't think that that's good for him. And in addition to that, I think he's going to have a tough time dealing with the physicality of Morales for that long, being his, I think his cardio is ultimately going to suffer with that weight cut. So I love Morales here. I love him at negative 140. Rodolfo Vieta is a killer black belt. He's fighting Wellington Terman, a guy who has a black belt himself. But as you know, black belts are not all created equal. I think Rodolfo Vieira has got a huge grappling advantage here. Plus, we saw his hands get better last time out. So even at negative 275, while I might not like playing numbers that high on their own, I think putting them in a parlay here makes a lot of sense. Boom. That does it for this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC 270. We're so excited for the fights this weekend. We hope you are, too, and we hope you appreciated this gambling breakdown. Let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty. At Top Turtle MMA on Twitter is where you can reach us. We'll be live tweeting during the show. We like to tweet out funny, humorous things for your enjoyment. And uh, we hope to catch you there. Gumby, this show is a move-in and a rumbling and a shaking. Where do we go now? We're going to transition now to my interview with Matt Fravola, who fights Gennaro Valdez on this weekend's UFC 270 card. But before we get to that interview, I do have to let you know that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. 
Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Matt Frivola. All right, and joining me today is Matt Frivola, who fights Gennaro Valdez at UFC 270. That fight is on January 22nd. So, Matt, I want to start by talking about the fact that you got another live event. It's actually your third straight in a row. Despite the fact that all of these fights keep getting jammed in the uh, in the apex, you keep getting live crowds. What What is sort of your thought on that? I know, right? It's kind of crazy. Uh, I've, I actually got to go to the apex, the corner of uh, my boy Billy Q., when he fought there a couple times. So I kind of got the feel of that apex and stuff. And it, it is a cool feel, but, you know, I, I always want to be on these big pay-per-view cards with these, you know, with these big fights and stuff. Uh, I'm just as much of a fan as I am a fighter. So I love to be on the big cards with the big names. And, uh, you know, I love the crowd's energy. Absolutely. And and I know that they're talking about having an event in uh, in, in your neck of the woods in, in New York. Is that something that you're looking to, obviously, without looking in, ahead of this matchup, that you'd like to swing around and get on as well? Oh, definitely. You know, whenever they come to New York, I'm always trying to get on that card. I've been hearing those, those rumors as well, like uh, April in Brooklyn is what I'm hearing. And uh, that's not perfect. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Now, I did. I was going to ask this a little bit later, but you know, you mentioned cornering Billy Q already. I saw you cornering him at that Fury Grappling event, which turned out to be an event that had a lot of UFC talent on it, had a lot of MMA fighters on it. Is you know, being that you are a guy who's sort of known for his grappling in in MMA, is that something you'd be interested in doing in the near future as well? Oh, one hundred percent. That was so much fun. Uh going out there and being and uh being just seeing how how they run their show you know it was a great stage it was a great show and you know it keeps it keeps all the fighters busy and and grappling is just a, a a growing sport and uh you know people love it and i love jujitsu i love wrestling and uh i definitely want to jump in one of those and is that something, you know, you mentioned grappling being a good thing to keep you busy, to keep you you in shape and stuff like that, and keep you training for something even when you don't have a fight. Is that something you'd like to do even more than just a, a Fury grappling event, you know, across the board, doing more super fights and stuff like that, keeping yourself busy with some grappling? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I love jiu-jitsu. It's, it's so much fun, you know. And uh, – so just staying busy and staying with that competitive mindset, you know, it could, is only uh, going to help me in the future. That certainly makes a lot of sense. Now, I do want to turn back to talking about MMA here. And, and you know, looking back at over the last year, it obviously wasn't the most ideal year for you. You had a tough couple of bouts in there. Did you have a big takeaway from 2021 being that, you know, you, you ran into some of the hardest parts of your career? I mean, uh, yeah, no, it was a rough year, you know, and then 2020 was rough, 2020, 2021 was, was rough, you know, but, uh, at the other day, you know, we, we, I think training stayed improving and, you know, what else would I rather be doing? That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, I, I'm curious too, you know, you said, what else would I be doing? What else would I be pushing forward for? And what, what else is better? 
how do you help keep that mindset? Because that's a mindset that, you know, obviously a lot of fighters have and a lot of people in the, the sports world have. But, you know, some find it hard when, when they're down on hard times like that. What what sort of helps you keep that mentality? Um, you know, I, I love I love training. I love martial arts and uh, just being an, involved, you know, in, in martial arts uh, is is what I love. You know, it's my passion. And, you know, I'm known, I know I'm not going to be fighting, you know, for the rest of my life. And uh, that's definitely something to think about. And, uh, you know, being at the gym now and being able to help and, and help coaching them here and there is, is definitely uh, something that I'm always trying to do. Awesome. Now, you know, you mentioned, you know, moving forward, you know, you can't fight forever, but also you're talking about coaching and you're talking about all those other kinds of things. Are those things that you plan on doing later on in your career? Do you plan on being like a head coach or running a gym somewhere? Yeah, I would love that. Like like I said, this is a passion I've dedicated the last 10 years to this. Uh, so, you know, I want to be able to pass on what I've learned uh, to the next generation. And even, even at our gym, you know, uh, the Sarah Longo team, there's so many, like, su- such talented up-and-coming uh, fighters and uh, for just if I'm able to help out these guys, you know, uh, in their careers, you know, it, it's it's a great feeling. Absolutely. Now, you know, you mentioned in there that Sarah Longo does have a lot of up-and-comers. As you get ready for training, is it is that what you feel one of the biggest benefits of that gym is, is that you have so many young, fresh bodies that are so, you know, tough and, and could possibly mimic the type of fighter like you're going to fight? Yeah, you know, it's great. Uh, there's there's a lot of great fighters there for me to spar. And then uh, a lot of great jujitsu black belts for me to roll with. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's back, it's my home, you know, Long Island. I was born and raised here. Um, and I'm lucky to have uh, such a such a great team and such great uh, coaches and leaders. Uh, so I can I can uh, pursue, you know, my my dreams out back back here in my home. Absolutely. Now, let's get to talking a little bit about UFC 270, because it is an exciting fight here. You're fighting Gennaro Valdez, who is a newcomer to the UFC, and a lot of people may not have seen him. But from what most people have seen, he seems to like to shoot takedowns early in the fight. He seems to like to wrestle. Obviously, like we just talked about, you know, jujitsu is a thing you already love. Wrestling is already a thing you love. So when they presented you with this challenger, with this guy who's going to seemingly indulge you in that, what were your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I was, I was excited, uh, but at first, you know, they, uh, they sent me the name and I'm thinking, oh, you know, a Mexican fighter is a Mexican boxer probably because these guys are boxers. They got great uh, roots in boxing in Mexico. And then I started watching his fights and I'm like, wow, this guy is not a, a Mexican boxer. He's a, <laughs> a, a new age, like ex, a new age, uh, Mexican, uh, mixed martial artist. And, you know, I love that because I love fighting uh, in all different, uh, aspects you know, with the stand-up, with the wrestling, with the ground game. And uh, that's what this guy likes to do, too. And uh, I was, uh, when I started watching his fights, it really got me excited, you know. And he's undefeated. I love fighting undefeated fighters. Um, you know, he's making his UFC debut. Um, you know, I, I remember when I was coming off the Contender Series, I was undefeated. I was, you know, I was thinking I was I was the man, you know, I was going to just come out there and do it. And I, I got a wake-up call. 
And that's what I plan on doing to this guy. You know, I want to welcome him to the UFC and, uh, you know, play and, and have, have a great fight and uh, leave there with, uh, with a finish and my hand raised. Well, you, you sort of already stole my last question here because I was going to ask you before I let you go, how do you see yourself getting it done? You said you're going to get out of there with a finish. Do you got a prediction for me? What kind of finish are we going to see out of Matt Favola at UFC 270? You know, uh, we're going to see what, what he gives me. You know, I could I could finish it anywhere. I could finish it on the feet. I could finish it on the ground. I could finish knockout, TKO, submission. I'll, I'll take any of them, and, and we're going to see uh, – we're going to see what he gives me, and then and I'm going to take it. So I'm excited. And we're certainly excited to see it as well. Once again, fans, this is Matt Frivola, who fights Gennaro Valdez at UFC 270. That fight is on January 22nd. Matt, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and of course, Double Nickels Sports Betting. And a reminder, you guys can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locales. We always got extra content for you in those places. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll catch you then.